How is this Easter going to change you? That's the big question I want to pose today. It's not only just how's it going to change you, but I have to ask the question for myself, how is this Easter going to change me? We know that Easter is the most important event on the Christian calendar because it is a time for us to come and celebrate that Jesus is alive. It was so cool today coming in and seeing that tomb out in the lobby. It was open, y'all. It was empty. And it was just a reminder once again that our Savior does live. And He continues to live, and He lives in us. And it's really easy for us to come to a service like this and it to be a tremendous celebration, a wonderful experience, but it just be an event. You see, if, if it doesn't change anything in us, what difference does Easter make? I mean, Easter happened so that it would change our lives. Easter happened so that we could come alive and so that we could live. So if we're not changed, then what difference does it make? So my question for, for myself and, again, for you today is this. Is today an event or is today a calling? See, all of us have been given a calling. A calling to what? In the Old Testament, we hear about the people of Israel. They were held captive by the Egyptians. They were there because of their own doing, because they were sinful, and God allowed them to be taken into slavery. But God looked down, and he saw the people, and he just couldn't stand seeing them in this condition anymore. And he wanted to save them. He wanted to free them. So he called a guy to help him do it, and his name was Moses. Moses is up on the side of a, a mountain one day with his... Uh, his livestock, and all of a sudden he notices a bush that's on fire, and he goes over to it, and the, the bush starts talking to him. It's God speaking to him through this bush. And God tells him, I have looked down, and I've seen the suffering of my people, and I don't want them to suffer anymore, and I'm calling you to lead them out of Egypt to the promised land. Well, he didn't feel like he could do that. He didn't feel like he had the ability to do that, and he told him he didn't feel like he had the ability to do it, yet God told him, yes, you can, and you must go and do this. So Moses says to God, well, God, if I, what's going to happen if I go and talk to these people and say, God told me to lead you out of Egypt and to lead you to the promised land, and then they ask me, well, if it's God, then what's God's name? What am I supposed to say to them? He made this statement. This is how God responded. He said, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. My name is I am. I am who I am. Who is he? Well, it's no big secret. It's not like something that he's trying to not want us to know. In fact, Everything that he did in life helps us understand who he is. We read about it over in the New Testament in the book of 1 John. We read these words in 1 John 4. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Then it says this, God is love. Say that with me. God is love. I am who I am. Who am I? I am love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us 
among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. This is so incredible to me because he is love and he wants us to know what love is like. So he sent another savior. This isn't Moses. It's Jesus into the world to save us from our captivity and slavery of sin. And he sent Jesus to help us see what love looks like, what love is like. Y'all, this is so amazing to me because Jesus made a bunch of statements about himself telling people who he was. God called himself, I am, and Jesus used the phrase, I am, to help people understand who he was as he was the example of God. He said this, I am the bread of life. Jesus says that about himself. He said, I am the door of the sheep. He said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He also said this. He said, I am the true vine. Not only did he say that I am the true vine, but he said, you're the branches. In other words, I'm the vine, you're the branches. We're connected together. And he used this description of who he was to explain to them who he really was. When he was saying, I am the true vine, he was saying to them, I am your friend. In fact, when you hear everything that he said, he clearly speaks to us as a friend. I want to share with you these words. It's found in John chapter 15 where he he said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, remember, God is love. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Listen to this. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's what? friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, to love each other. What is that? It's a calling. 
that was the purpose of Jesus' coming. That was the reason for him being here. It was to call us to love each other. I just want you to think about what we've learned so far. God is love. As a friend, Jesus loves us. As a friend, I am to love other people as Jesus loves me. That's who I'm to be. And when I become that person, I live a life of significance and I begin living up to my calling. So let me ask the question once again, is today just an event or is today a calling? Are you living up to that? Are you a person who is revealing the love of God to everyone who is around you? Here's the really great thing about Jesus. Jesus is alive in us. The way people see Jesus is through us. In fact, that's the only way people see Jesus is through us. It's when we become his hands and his feet. And if Easter is a calling to us. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. So what if we're not? Today can change things on this Easter Sunday. It can be a, a new beginning for us. A new pathway to our start. Well, I want to talk to you about a friend and what a friend looks like. So let me just share with you some... Y'all, this is so simple and basic things but not only do we, do we hear that Jesus is this to us, but we're also going to learn that this is how we're supposed to be to other people. So on your outline sheet, number one, go ahead and fill it in. We read this, that a friend wants me to have joy. If I have a friend, that friend wants me to have the very best life possible. That friend wants me to feel good about my life. And if I'm not feeling good about my life, my friend, if they're really my friend, they want me to be better. They want me to have what it is that I'm looking for in life. My friend wants to help me get off the roller coaster of life. We hear that, and it's like, oh, that's so cheesy. But, y'all, it's a great example. Do you know why? Because we're either up or we're down. We're up or we're down. We're going sideways or this way, and it makes us want to throw up. Do I have a witness out there? Anyway, right? I mean, it just, we just feel sick about our life, and we get sick of being on the roller coaster, and we need somebody to come and help us get off the roller coaster. God wants us to have joy. He doesn't want us to have the happy, sad, happy, sad life. Feel like we're being knocked this way and that way. He wants us to have that joy. A great description or definition of the word joy is sustained happiness. And I've talked to you before about happiness. And really what happiness truly is, is it's temporary in nature. It doesn't last. But when you add the word sustained to happiness, it kind of changes the, the thought process of it because it's this. Happiness is a feeling. It might be temporary if we just leave happiness alone. It's a feeling. It feels good. If I have sustained happiness, you know what that means? I always feel good. God wants to always feel good. That's what joy is like. Jennifer and I uh, went to the store a couple of days ago. Uh, she was picking up some, some other things uh, for Easter. We, our family gets together for a big Easter lunch, and so she was getting some things. So we went to Target. Y'all, I love Target, and let me tell you why. The shopping carts. Y'all, the wheels work. Do I have a witness out there for a minute? It is wonderful. Smooth as silk. And y'all, it was beautiful. I got a good one. They're all good at Target. They're all good. But when you go right into Target, they've got this little section right when you come in that is all this inexpensive stuff. Like it'd be $3, $5, things, all these little trinkets. So that's where Jennifer went to start looking for things. So I pulled up this sweet 
sweet cart right in front of the, the, of the uh, you know, shelves there. And I started looking at what was there. And I saw this. I saw this sign. And I loved the sign. And it said this, every hour is happy hour. And I thought, y'all, that is an awesome sign. Because I knew what I was going to preach on this weekend. It's like every hour is happy. It's like I need to buy that and put up in my office. And then I started thinking, well... <laughs> People might start looking for the fridge when they come in my office if I do that. You know, so maybe that's not a good thing. But y'all, isn't that what joy is? Every hour is happy hour when you have joy. And that's what God wants us to have. And that's what we should want for each other. And let me tell you this right now. That's what Jesus wants for you. Because we try to find our happiness through things that are temporary of this world. And it does not work. In fact, we begin living for those things and become sinful, living for ourselves, putting ourselves first. And before we know it, we just feel this sense of longing and loss in our life that there must be something more. Jesus wants to give it to us. He wants us to have joy. Well, how does he do that? Well, joy, joy happens because of what we do. Yes, we have joy because of who we know, can have a relationship with God. But joy comes because of what we do. Listen to what it says. It says this, I have told you this so that my joy, Jesus talked about this in the scripture, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He wants us to experience joy and he knows how it is that we have this complete joy. It's through how it is that we live our lives. When we live the right when we live the right way, we have joy. Look at number two on your outline sheet. This is what a friend does. A friend wants to help me know how I am to live. Because if I live the right way, I'm going to have joy in my life. Listen again uh, to what Jesus said. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's love. This is really incredible to me because this isn't the first time that Jesus talked about this command. You see, the command that he just gave, it was a new command. When you look back two chapters in John chapter 13, Jesus gave them this new command. Listen to what it says, John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What's the command? What's the new command? It is love. But the true new command is to imitate me. That's what he said. A new command I give you, to love others as I have loved you. That's the command. So that means I'm supposed to live my life. I am to do what I do in my life the way Jesus did it. And what did he do? He was a friend, and he tells us what a friend is. There's no greater friend than the one who lays his life down for another, right? That's what he just said. He said it's about sacrifice. I read to you a few moments ago that God is love in 1 John 4. Listen to this part of that same chapter. It says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world 
that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He made the sacrifice. He gave his life for us. He did what he did, giving of himself for our good. We can write it down this way. It's on your outline sheet. It's this statement. I am to live the selfless life, showing love by giving myself for the good of others. That's exactly what Jesus did. It started with Jesus giving of his time and serving people who were around him. And y'all, some of the people that he served, they weren't very loving people. In fact, they were people that others wanted to condemn because of their behavior. Yet Jesus was there to serve them, to help them, to heal them. That's what he did. Why did he do good for people like this? Because he wanted those people that he did good for to know that their lives mattered. You see, that's what happens when we show love to people. Even people who don't deserve anything good from us. When we show love to them and make sacrifices to them, it preaches such a loud message to their hearts that you matter. And it's not because of what you do. It's because of who you are. That God loves you. But it comes from sacrifice. It comes from giving of ourselves for the good of others. It comes from doing. Doing is important. Y'all, the doing is the fruiting. That's what it is. The doing is the behavior. The doing is what we do for other people or do for ourselves. The doing always comes from what is within our hearts. Whatever is the priority of our life. If I love myself the most, then I will do things for myself. If I love you, then I will do things for you. We hear a lot about fruit, and it talks about fruit, that we're to bear, the, to bear fruit. Well, what is that fruit? We hear about the fruit, actually, in another passage of Scripture in, in Galatians, where Paul talked about the fruit of the Spirit, that the Spirit of God leads us to behave certain ways. It's called the fruits of the Spirit because God gave us the Spirit of God to know what God thinks and to know what we're to do. It's really incredible to me also because the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God who teaches us this, the Holy Spirit also is known as, in 1 Corinthians, is known as the mind of Christ. Isn't that cool? That the Holy Spirit leads us to think like Jesus thinks, and the Holy Spirit leads us to act like Jesus acted. So when we look at the fruits of the Spirit, we can see these behaviors and say, okay, are these my behaviors? Well, what are they? Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit, remember, we're to bear fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is, what's the first one? That's where it all starts. Because if I love, I experience or do these other things. I love God. When I love, there's another fruit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. What's the next one? Sustain, sustain happiness. I can have it all my life if I love the right place. What happens when I show love to other people? There is peace. And then we hear other behaviors, forbearance. In other words, I bear with others. I don't hold grudges against others. Kindness, I treat people the way I want to be treated. Goodness, I do good things for the benefit of other people. 
faithfulness. I will do what I say I will do, and people can trust me to do what's best for them. Gentleness, I will treat them with care and not treat them harshly in anger to harm them. Self-control, it's this, that I will not allow anyone's behavior to control how I feel about myself. Instead, I will maintain control to make sure that you know that you are loved. Those are the fruits. He went on and said this, against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. In other words, love for themselves with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So let me ask you a question once again. Is today an event or is it a calling? Because if it's a calling, we're bearing those fruits. That's how we know we've been changed. Our calling is to show love and to show it in this way. So if I look at my life and say, you know what, this is not me. I'm not bearing this fruit. And maybe even today I'm coming because, you know, it's Easter. It's the time we need to come together and praise God we're all here together. I'm digging it and loving it. But when we come here today, it might be that we're having a different perspective of, you know what, maybe it's not just something I'm supposed to show up to. Maybe it's something to challenge me to be, bit, to be better and to be different and to bring change into our world. Well, how can we do that? We have to bear fruit. So how do we bear this fruit? What does it look like? When will we do it? Third question on your, or third statement on your sheet about a friend. It says this, a friend helps me grow and be successful. So if I'm supposed to bear this fruit, and let's just say, hey, maybe I'm not bearing this fruit, what then? Well, we read this in what Jesus said again, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be given more, that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. This is totally sweet to me. First of all, we know that these people are, are believers. They're, they're, they're literally followers of Jesus. They were following Jesus. They were disciples who were committed to him, who were spreading the message of Jesus. That's who these people were. And he acknowledges that. You're, you're clean because of all this, because you follow me. But then he made a statement to them. He said this, remain in me as I also remain in you. So you people who are disciples, get this. You need to remain in me. In other words, you need to remain committed to me as I remain committed to you. You see, it's when our commitment changes that our fruit changes. Our commitment is connected to our love, and our love is connected to our service. So I need to look at myself and ask the question, I'm doing what I do for the good of who? Am I doing what I'm doing for the good of you? Am I doing what I'm doing for the good of myself and the benefit of me? No fruit. So what needs to happen if that's the case? You know what a friend wants to do? A friend wants to help you get rid of it. We need someone who will help us. On your outline sheet, fill in this statement. We need a friend who helps us overcome our weaknesses. 
He is there to help me overcome my weaknesses. Jesus talked about this. Here's God. God's going to cut off the branches that don't bear any fruit. And we need to look at our life and cut out those parts of our life that are not bearing any fruit. And Jesus was teaching them how to do it. These disciples were hearing the messages of Jesus. Jesus was going from place to place, and he kept encountering people who were not living for God. And you, the people who he was talking to mostly were these religious Pharisees that came around him. Jesus kept telling them, dude, you're not bearing any fruit. It's a Tim paraphrase. It's basically what he's saying to them. You're living your life this way. This is not the godly life. He heard from God, was delivering this message to these people. Why would Jesus want to tell them this? This is what I believe. He hoped they'd change. He hoped the Pharisees would change. But you know what? He shares that message with us because he hopes we'll change. And he sends people into our lives to help us see things, maybe that we don't see of ourselves, to help us get rid of it. We were in Target, wow, two days ago, and it's in my sermon, all right? And y'all needed batteries, okay? We, we bought this thing, and it needed C batteries. When's the last time? I mean, I haven't bought C batteries forever. So you go to the batteries, look for batteries. There's everything but C batteries. So I get Jennifer. Jennifer, come over here, and let's look for the C batteries, because I'm thinking, it's right in front of me. She looked. She couldn't find it. So we went and found one of the people who worked there at Target and said, we need C batteries. He came around the corner and went right to it and said, here. He saw something. He knew right where it is that we didn't know was there. How is Target working in this? Y'all, we need people in our lives who see things in us that we don't see ourselves. We need a friend who's going to point those things out to us to say, here's the thing, and this is what you need to cut out of your life. But, you know, there are some things that are good that we need to to even make better. It's another statement on your sheet about a friend. It says this, this friend is to, to help me develop my strengths. He talked about pruning, that I'm going to prune this so that you bear even more fruit. So how is it that we bear even more fruit? Really, bearing more fruit has everything to do with our relationship. So let's go ahead and get into the fourth thing. A friend lives to have a strong relationship with me. The more I love, the more fruit that I bear. The stronger the fruit is. The better I am at bearing this fruit. I want to get back to the statement again where he said this, John 15, 4. I want you to read it out loud with me this time. Let's read it. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Remember what I just said. It means this, to remain committed to me as I am remaining committed to you. So how is it that I do that? Well, my relationship is important. The relationship that I have with you is important. I love you, and I want to make sure that this relationship is strong. So what do I do if it's important What do I do to make sure that this relationship is strong? What is it that I'm doing? What is the work that I'm doing? Well, relationships aren't easy. Do I have a witness out there? I'm about to start a series next week called Relationships. It's a series on togetherness. It's not about married. It's not about married people. It applies to married people. It applies to everybody because everybody has relationships. We all have them. And what we know about all relationships, the basis of the success of every relationship is passion. It's passion. It's a love for that other person. And if I really love that person, I'm going to work to make sure that I treat that person the right way. So that gets to this. If I'm remaining in God, 
what keeps me remaining in God, I'm doing the work that I need to do to maintain my relationship with God to make sure it's strong. Well, if I'm not remaining in God, then why am I not remaining in God? Because it very well may be that I stop doing the things that I need to do, the work to do to maintain a strong relationship with God. Those people who see this in an event many times are people who don't have that strong relationship, aren't doing other things so that this relationship is strong. The people who see this as a calling do what they do to make sure that that relationship grows and flourishes and bears fruit. So what can we do? I'll give you some ideas. One thing that we can do is this, to spend intimate time alone with him. I am to spend time with me and God. I am to spend time talking to God, having a relationship with God, praying to God. It's me and him. I am to take time to listen to God's word as God speaks to me and tells me what he wants me to hear from his word to help me see the fruit of my life and whether it's there or not and to get rid of the things that are causing me problems in my life. I need to do that intimately with God. It's part of the work of the relationship. I need to do something else. Here's another, something else we can do. I'm to spend time with others who have the same love for him. I can come to places like this on this, again, wonderful celebration Sunday with other people who believe in him and to celebrate the living Jesus. We can come here together, and when we are disciplined to come together with other people who are other believers, it's work for us. It's the work of our relationship to make sure that we maintain our relationship and don't forget about God. There's something else that we do. I love this one. I am to serve with him. I am to serve with him. This is the, the sweet thing about, about relationships. You can think about married relationships. One of the most important things or the greatest things that you can do as a couple is to go do things for other people together. Did you know that? It bonds you together. It's like you've got this little purpose. We're going to go serve these people or go do something together. It's like this kind of date thing that you do with each other. Here's the sweet thing about when we do something for others. Every time we serve, we never serve alone. Ever. Ever. You're saying, well, Tim, I don't have somebody with me. Oh, yes, you do, my brothers and sisters. It is God. Because he is with us wherever we go. So when we're serving, we're serving in the presence of God who is with us. When we serve, this is totally sweet. When we serve, we're doing the work of the relationship so that we do things together to bond us together as we show God's love together. If it's a calling, I mean, we'll do things like this. If it's an event, no. But if Easter has truly changed us, it will change our behaviors and what we do to maintain the strength of who we are together with him. Fifth and final thing about a friend. His friends want to have friends. The friends of Jesus want to have friends. Jesus wanted to have friends. He sought them out. Look at what it said in John 15, uh, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. This was not like some accident that these people just kind of showed up. Jesus wanted these men to be disciples of his. Jesus sought these guys out. He wanted them to be a part of his spreading the love of God to other people. He was looking for them. 
This is what's so important about this because our bearing fruit is about loving others. So how can we bear fruit if there are no others? Let me say that again. Our bearing fruit is about what we do for others. So how can we bear fruit if there are no others? How can we serve if there aren't people around us? This is the amazing thing about Jesus. Jesus was constantly looking for people around him who needed service, who needed to know that they were loved. One of those guys was a a guy named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was uh, this little little dude, right? He was this uh, short tax collector guy who lived for wealth. The problem was that the problem was his living for wealth didn't give him a sense of worth. That was his problem. So he came and heard about Jesus. He's up in a sycamore tree. Jesus comes by. He looks up, sees Zacchaeus, says, I'm going to your house today. The Pharisees and the religious people were like, what he's doing? What? Going to the house of a sinner? That's who he needed to be with. So he goes to his house, and in that house, Jesus gives us his personal purpose statement. This is what he says in that house. He said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Here's the personal purpose statement. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. I want you to think about Zacchaeus' lostness for a minute. What was his lostness? He didn't have joy. He had wealth, but he didn't have worth. He was looking for something else. People who are lost are people who have gone the wrong direction to find the joy that they're looking for and have not found it. And those are the people that we need to find. Every person in this room today needs Zacchaeus' in our lives. Here's, re- here's the reality check. If I am a friend of Jesus, I also want friends, which means this. I am looking for Zacchaeus' around me so that I can help them find joy. That's my calling. That's what Easter did for me. Because God sent Jesus to find me so that I could be saved, so that I can know him personally. And that's who he wants me to be as I begin looking for other people around me. This, y'all, this is totally sweet. This is really what completes our joy. Remember the scripture we read just a minute ago that uh, Jesus wants his joy to be in us and he wants our joy to be complete. This is how our joy becomes complete. I just want you to follow the kind of the process of what we talked about today. God is love. I am who I am. Who am I? I am love. God is love. Jesus is love. Because Jesus is love and showed it to me, I am love. Because I am love, and I show it to others, they are love. Other people are love. The Zacchaeuses out there that I'm able to touch are loved. And when they are love, my joy becomes complete because now I have fulfilled my purpose that God has given me. It's to lead people to be saved. Y'all, this is so incredible to me. You know what he led Moses to do? To save people from slavery. You know what he sent Jesus to do? To save people from the slavery of sin. You know what he's sending us to do? To help save people from the slavery of their sin. 
we are the life of Jesus. I mean, we can say Jesus is alive. Will he? Uh, yeah, he's alive. He physically came back to life. There's no doubt he's alive. Because of what he did, we have victory over sin and death. But when I look at myself, can I say Jesus is alive through me? It's important for me to look at that because what I know is the only way that I'm going to have joy in my life is to begin living up to my calling. Because my brothers and sisters, every hour is happy hour. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes right now. It may be that you're not a Christian, that you've been one of these people who've been on the wrong path. God loves you. Jesus came to show us what we're supposed to be living for, and it's not to love ourselves and get what the world can give us. It is relationships with other people and to love those people around us and to show God's love to them. Yet we love ourselves, and we've all done it, and we have sin, and that's the problem because, you see, God wants to have a relationship with us. We have joy when we have a relationship with him, but we can't have a relationship with him when we have sin in our life. We need forgiveness. Jesus came to complete the work that he was sent to complete. The work he came to complete was to forgive us. That was the work. Jesus took our punishment, the things that we deserve for the bad things that we do. He paid the penalty. He paid the punishment for that. He died on the cross for all of our sins. And what we need to do is just to accept what Jesus did for us. Why? Why do we need to accept what Jesus did for us? Because if we did it ourselves, if we could forgive ourselves, it would be all about what I can do for me. I need to rely on what somebody else has done for me. Because it's not about me. It's, not about, it's about the love and the passion that someone else has for me. Jesus took our punishment. We need forgiveness and it comes through him. And I want to encourage you today that if, you don't, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Jesus, to confess your sins and to accept what he did for you on the cross and through his resurrection. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want you to think about God right now. He's sitting on his throne in heaven, and I want to invite you to say something to him as a prayer because the Bible says if we call on the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. So I want to invite you to say these words to him so that you can have this relationship with him. Just say this silently. Dear God, I know you love me, and I don't deserve it. I do things wrong. I've sinned. I put myself first, and I'm sorry. I know you sent Jesus to die on the cross to take my punishment and to come back to life to defeat death forever so that I can live with you. So right now, I accept the gift that you have given me in Jesus. I accept the forgiveness that you offer. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to take control of my life. I give you everything. And I ask you to help me to live for you, to fulfill your calling, the calling that you have for me to be love to those people around me. If you just prayed that minute with your heart, God hears you and says yes, he accepts you. 
the end of our service, back to in the back of the, the worship center to my right, to your left, there's a door with a glass window in it, single door. Somebody's going to be back there in just a moment. They'd love to pray for you, encourage you, help you in any way that we possibly can, just to celebrate with you the decision that you just made. Others of you who are here today are Christians, you're believers, you're, you're people who have given your life to Christ, but there's a problem, and that problem is you haven't remained in Him. What I mean by that, I'm not talking about you've lost your salvation. That's what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is you haven't remained committed to Him. You've drifted. Your passion has moved. And all you have to do is to look at the fruit of your life and to see it's moved. Because you're not bearing the fruits that God has for you anymore. And I believe that God's Spirit right now is showing that to you very clearly if that's you. And what I would encourage you to do today is to pray. To confess it. Agree with God that what you've done is become committed to something other than Him. And to commit yourself to follow Him. And to look for the help you need to get rid of the stuff in your life that's causing bad fruit. So as I pray today, I want to encourage you to pray. Father, thank you so much for teaching us. Thank you, God, for what your word says. God, we long for joy. And God, I pray that you would help us to see those areas of our life that need to be cut out. I pray, God, that you would send people in our lives that would help us cut those things out. And God, I pray that you would help us to be more committed to you God, I pray that today, this Easter day, would not be an event. Would be instead the change that's needed to happen in our lives, God, as we begin fulfilling our calling. Because God, we want you to be seen. God, we want people to know that you are alive. And I pray this in your holy name, Jesus. Amen.